Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama, and you're listening to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. So this week, we've been talking about going back to school in person. The thing is, though, that not everybody is doing that. Some families have decided they still want distance learning for their kids. But the rollout has been rocky. We got zero communication. Nobody's calling us. Nobody's emailing us. Even if they would have recorded the call and send it out to all the parents, it would have been better than zero communication. Today, the struggle to adjust to a new kind of distance learning. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. So, Vanessa, this week we've been talking about the beginning of the school year. We've talked about, first, how families and then teachers have been feeling about going back to school in person. But let's say you actually don't want your kids to go back to school in person this fall. What options are available to you? So, Devin, it varies a bit district by district. But in California, what most seem to be doing is creating these sort of distance learning academies at the district level. Vanessa Rancano is an education reporter for KQED. In Oakland, students will actually have to unenroll from whichever school they're enrolled in and enroll in this separate, what they're calling a virtual academy, which has been for years, Sojourner Truth Independent Study. It's the district's independent study program. Independent study traditionally has been an alternative to learning in a classroom. I mean, this might be used by a child that was going on a long vacation or, say, a student athlete who's training for the Olympics or a child actor or a student who's experienced a lot of bullying at school or is having mental health issues and really needs an alternative. So traditionally, it's purposely very flexible and meant to be tailored to an individual student's needs. So it's going to be the district's independent study program. It's not going to be the same as distance learning that many students have been going through this past year. Why is that? 
you know, distance learning as we came to know it last school year was actually this really exceptional thing. Lawmakers made it very clear when they passed this law that governs how independent study is going to work. It's AB or SB 130. They made it very clear that they were trying to constrain the virtual option, the online option available this year. They really wanted to see a return to full-time in-person instruction. They wanted that available to all students. And the fear was that if they didn't put that pressure on districts, we would be in this sort of endless hybrid distance learning situation. You know, and as we came to have more data about transmission in schools around the world, it became increasingly clear that this could be done safely. Now, that said, are a lot of kids opting for remote learning this school year? Well, the numbers seem to vary across the state, and there isn't great reporting on this at this point. And of course, it's all still in flux. But what I've seen is that in some of the big districts like Los Angeles, like San Francisco, it's about one to two percent of students so far who are opting in to distance learning. I have seen reporting that suggests that in some smaller districts, for instance, in the Central Valley, it's more like 10% of students. In Oakland, the latest numbers are 615 students enrolled in the virtual academy, and then another 200 and counting on a wait list to get in. So my name is Faiza Ayesh. Faiza Ayesh is an Oakland Unified parent. She lives with her children and her husband. We've been through uh, Emerson. Emerson Elementary, Sankofa Elementary, and now Sanjor. She's the mom of six kids. Three of her kids are at Sankofa Elementary School in Oakland in fifth grade, fourth grade, and second grade. My oldest is 10, and my youngest is one and a half. And once it was time to start preparing for the school year, how was Faiza thinking about sending her kids back to school? Well, first of all, her kids, she said, had a really positive experience in distance learning. My daughter did awesome. Uh, you know, by the end of the year, she's reading fantastic. And she loved school, even though it was distance learning. She loved logging in every day. She loved her teacher. She loved Sankofa's program. She talked about her daughter making friends virtually. Um, she had nothing but praise for her kids' teachers and the lengths to which they went to be available to students. The other big factor she was weighing is that her two oldest kids recently got COVID. I have six kids, you know, and we've we've been through all kinds of flus and viruses, but they they had the worst stomach pain ever. One of the kids had these really bad headaches, so she ended up with them at Oakland Children's Hospital. I found out my daughter had coronavirus because uh, she was vomiting so much for two days. She couldn't keep anything down. She had lost her appetite and plus the stomach pain. So I had to go to children's and that's how I found out it's corona. And she and her husband, who are both fully vaccinated, ended up getting COVID from the kids. And she said their symptoms were pretty mild, um, but they were symptomatic. So even though, you know, there, there are going to be safety measures like universal versal masking and vaccinations or weekly testing for teachers, it sounds like that's still not enough for FISA to feel comfortable sending her three school-age kids to class. No. And she points to her own experience, right? She says, I don't want to go through that again. It was pretty terrible. 
I have a heart condition that puts me at greater risk, and I don't trust that just because I had sort of mild symptoms this last time that it wouldn't be worse for me going forward. And I think she was reflecting on the experience that she had had the previous year and thinking, okay, this district knows how to do this. I was really impressed with what was offered last year. That's what it's going to be like again. So July 31st, we made the decision. That's it. We're going to go distance learning, full distance learning. So what happens next with Faiza and her family, especially her three school-aged kids? So when Faiza realized that, in fact, distance learning was not going to be offered through her school, Sankofa, that she was going to have to unenroll her children from that school and enroll in this program, this independent study program, Sojourner Truth, She was concerned, and she was disturbed by the lack of communication from the district. The weekend before school, literally the weekend before school, you know. I'm emailing emailing nothing. I get nothing back. I call the school office. Nobody's answering. You can't even leave a voicemail. Their voicemail is full. The first informational session that the district held for parents to really provide any detailed information about this program didn't happen until just a few days before the start of school. I thought that OUSD is going to have the same setup as they had last year. But unfortunately, when we got to San George Truth, I was surprised. What have other parents been saying? Is this a common experience that Pfizer is going through? Yeah, what I've heard from sitting in on the informational session that the district held for parents who are interested in this program and from the orientations that they've held is that a lot of parents feel pretty abandoned, um, aren't getting questions answered immediately, in some cases don't actually know if their student is enrolled. People are quite confused and frustrated with the lack of communication. What actually happened to her kids on the first day back? So Monday we logged in at 10 o'clock. So what she described was basically a half-hour Zoom meeting for each grade. They sent our Zoom links, but uh, they did not send uh, passwords for the Zoom. She said they did make work packets available for pickup, and so she and others went in person to pick up these materials for their kids. There was two staff members um, and, you know, just and a bunch of kids asking questions, parents, you know, they're curious to what's going on, how it's going to go. And honestly, the staff members were confused themselves because they don't know what's going on. Basically, they're pitching it as sort of a soft start to, to the school year, sort of like an introductory week where at least young students are not meeting with their actual teachers, perhaps, but they're getting a little bit of socializing. And then... Next week, theoretically, things will will normalize a bit. I I feel like uh, OUSD failed us. I, I'm serious. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm very angry at this. What are the people who are you know running the schools saying about this rollout and why it's been kind of so shaky? In general, there seems to be quite a bit of frustration coming from district leaders around the state about trying to implement this law because the logistics are quite complicated. You know, it was signed into law pretty late in the summer, so it was something like six weeks that districts had to really parse the details and figure out how exactly their programs could 
meet the letter of the law. I think the rebuttal to that that you would hear from some of the lawmakers involved in drafting this law, you know, and also parent advocates who are very frustrated with what they're seeing, is that districts still could have been preparing, right? I mean, they it was pretty clear that they were going to be required to provide some kind of virtual option for people who didn't feel comfortable going back in person. Uh, I didn't know what to, to expect. I interviewed Willie Thompson, who's the principal of the Sojourner Truth Independent Study Program. He's been running it for like 19 years. And what he described was a really rapidly changing situation that's been very hard for him and other school leaders to wrap their hands around. We were told early on that we would certainly uh, play a, a bigger role, I call it, to be able to expand our footprint. And that's one of the things that we had in our plan. So typically, this is a very small program. He said on average, they serve something like 200 students a year normally. And almost all of those are high school students. Really, it would be like 15 to 20 elementary age students. Mm -hmm. This year, as I said, they have 615 students enrolled so far. Jeez. And he says every day the wait list is growing and it was at about 200 when i talked to him well they did say roughly 500 that number was tossed around which i thought was a, a stretch i come to realize it wasn't 500 might be uh, a low number so that's a big change i mean it requires them to staff up in a pretty major way and this is happening at a time mind you when schools around the state are dealing with staffing challenges. I do not know what's going on. Mark Airgood is one of those teachers who requested an accommodation because he didn't feel comfortable going back. They accepted my um, accommodation and then placed me at the only program that Oakland has running right now for virtual is through uh, Sojourner Truth um, Independent Study. I talked to him on the second day of school. I talked to him on Tuesday, and he had only that day been told what he was going to be teaching. I will have um, something like full classes of students, and I'm not really sure what my exact schedule is. In fact, he was going to be teaching math and science, which came as a bit of a surprise to him given that he, you know, for 20 years has been a special education resource teacher. I mean, I, I have an idea because I've been a resource teacher and been in those classes supporting my students, kind of what the, you know, what the curriculum is and stuff. And I, I'm just going to have to um, get rolling on it. Oh, geez. For, so even for teachers, it sounds like it's been a little bit confusing and, and a shaky rollout. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. So where does all this leave FISA and her family? She and the other parents I've heard from are feeling very discouraged, and I think they're holding out hope that next week things will be better, that once their students are assigned their teachers and classes start in earnest, that they will get something that's more in line with what they came to expect from last year. But so far, that has, has not been the case. I'm just angry because, you know, OUSD, you know, they had us encouraged that during the summer that they had these plans and they're going to be, you know, doing these surveys. And, you know, it sounded like they had a good plan. And I, I feel like our kids were shortchanged. 
The first school board meeting of the year was this week, and there were a lot of parents expressing their anger about how this distance learning option was working for their kids. Is what's happening in Oakland unique? It's clear that lawmakers were really trying to constrain this distance learning option. And what we see is a lot of districts sort of following that lead and certainly not promoting these programs and in some cases really trying to limit um, the number of students who can enroll. San Francisco Unified has been very clear about the fact that they want to extend this option only to medically fragile children. They expanded beyond their initial offering a bit. They added like 200 or so kids. But we know from reporting out of San Francisco that there are many, many more parents who would like to have that option and are petitioning the district to give it to them. question is going to be what happens in these schools that are fully reopened in person now. Can students and parents readjust to this pretty pretty quickly? Will they feel safe? Will we see COVID outbreaks in school? There's still a lot of uncertainty. And at the moment, given what we're seeing with the Delta variant, schools are seeing an increasing number of parents looking for a virtual option. So I think the question is going to be, a few weeks from now, what does our experience being back in schools in person show us? Are people feeling like it's safe? Or are we seeing outbreaks? Vanessa, thank you so much. Thank you. Vanessa Rancano is an education reporter for KQED. That's it for today's show. If you liked the episode or any of our episodes this week that were focused on schools, tell a friend about it and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montecilio. KQED's podcast leadership team includes Kiana Mogadam, Jessica Placek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Tali Kernan. The Bay is a production of KQED Public Media in San Francisco. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. 
knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.